move me out of the way. It's not me. It's not me. I am nothing without you. I decrease that you might increase in this moment. God, I present my body to you as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is my reasonable service. Lord, use my mouth for your glory. Use my mouth as a, as a portal to bring food to your sheep, to bring truth, to bring freedom, to bring hope, to bring faith, to bring encouragement, to bring direction, God. Everything that your word is supposed to do, let it come out of my mouth and let it not be any of me. I can't do this without you. I am weak, but you are strong. Lord, you love them. And as they hear these words, may they hear love. May they hear the plan that you have for their lives today. So, Father, allow your Holy Spirit to help us all. May there be an anointing upon your servant to serve. And may there be an anointing upon your sheep to eat, to hear, and not only hear, but be doers of your word. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Church, can you say amen? All right, today's message is a continuation of a series we're in called Your Kingdom Come. That's what Jesus taught his disciples to pray when they asked, Lord, teach us how to pray. He said, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And when I read that, I read that as a command, as instructions, as to say, you've been given authority and power to talk to the Father. And where you do not see righteousness, where you do not see peace, where you do not see joy, you're able to say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven here in my marriage, in my health, in my finances. I'm not seeing righteousness. I'm not seeing peace. I'm not seeing joy. So he taught them to pray with expectation. Why would Jesus teach them to pray for something that the father was not going to do and not going to give them? So church, don't you ever pray hopeless prayers. When you pray, you pray with faith and you pray knowing that the, the Lord that you pray to, he hears you because you are his children. And that's exactly what we're going to be talking about today is uh, sons, kings, and priests. We won't get to the kings and priests today, but we are going to talk about sons and daughters, the family of God. And what you need to know is this, the children of God are led by his spirit and they yield control of their lives to live by faith. Say this with me, church. I am a child of God as I am led by his spirit. All right. Thank you, Kimberly. God bless you. So we are children of God as we are led by the Spirit of God. And when I say children of God and when I say uh, sons of God, then we have to know that we are, if we are the family of God and the children of God, then we should be led by his Spirit, right? Um, I can't go to the Dove's house. I can't go to the Carter's house. I can't go to anyone else's house and tell their children what to do, right? Now, respectfully, if I was there and they were doing something wrong, I think their parents would entrust me to correct their children. But I don't go to every house telling everyone's children what to do because they are not mine. And if we belong to God, then we are led by his spirit. But the first thing we must encounter is faith. Church, if you're praying for revival, and we all should be, and, if, and there's something that we need to begin to pray for ourselves anymore. There's a great lack of something in this world, and when I say it, I hope something clicks, but church, where is the faith? There's a lot of fear in this world, isn't there? 
a lot of anxiety, a lot of worry, a lot of trouble. But church, we got to start looking for the faith and not just everyone else's faith. We've got to look within and say, you know what? Where's my faith? Am I living by faith? Come on, church, come on, come on. Let this sink into your hearts this morning, especially if you've been going through some things and we've all been going through some things, but it's time to say, okay, wait a minute. I'm pressing pause on this pity party. I'm pressing pause on the circumstance and on the situation. And I've got to look within myself and say, where is my faith? You've got to ask yourself a question. Am I living by faith? Am I operating and moving in this life by faith? We have to keep faith first when it comes to the kingdom of God. Let's go to Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. This is our instructions from the Lord. It says, uh, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Now, I know that every single one of us has a need for something, and usually the need is supernatural because God promised to provide for your earthly needs, right? He's going to pr provide for those things. So some of us have some needs that are supernatural. There's some things that we can't see, but we know that God can do. But he said, the, before we begin to receive these things, we have to first seek the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. And these are all spiritual things that cannot be seen with your eyes. So how do we then look for things that cannot be seen with our eyes? How do we look for invisible things? We do it by faith. Church, can you say faith? Father, as I speak to them about faith, I pray that the measure of faith would be stirred up, and some have been given the gift of faith as well. So would you allow that to manifest? Father, your word says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. So Lord, as I preach this word, I pray that our faith would arise and break us out of the chains of lack, break us out of the chains of fear, God, into a place of faith, because your word also declares that without faith, it's impossible to please you. So when we're afraid, we're not pleasing you. When we're anxious, we're not pleasing you. Without faith, it's impossible to please you. So we say, faith come now in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go to Galatians chapter 2.20. I had an aha moment this morning in the restroom. Uh, it's very important that you begin listening to God very first thing in the morning. Open your ears up to the Lord. Not Fox News, not CNN, not anything else. Keep it quiet for a while. Say, okay, Lord, I want to hear from you. Remember what we just read? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Well, I had an aha moment this morning. I've been having some personal struggles, some personal battles within myself. And don't look at me like that. Uh, Paul, who wrote 75% of the New Testament, said, I've got a war happening within me. And church, if you don't have a war happening with you, within you, that's a problem, right? It, because one side, one side that we desire to win is the spiritual side, right? The godly side. But we live in a carnal world. So we should always be at odds with all this carnality happening around us. Why? Because the Bible says, be not conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So the battle that's happening inside of the, the saints in the church of God is a, is a battle of the mind, the battlefield of the mind, right? The world is saying, think this way. But the Bible and the word of God is saying, I want you to think this way instead. And that's the war. Church, can you say war? war. 
you got to know that you're in a warfare because if you're not constantly warring against the forces of evil and the ways of this world, then it means that we're giving in to them. And I don't want to be like the world. I want to be like Jesus, right? But in this world, it's a fight to be like Jesus because the world hates him. We're living with the spirit of antichrist. There's a great antichrist movement happening, right? It used to be you had to rent certain videos uh, and they were rated R and you had to show your ID to see some of these evil things. Now Disney shows them. Do you understand what I'm saying? The world isn't hiding anymore. They're evil. So we've got to be prepared to have our minds renewed. But church, Jesus is looking for something when he comes back. He says, when I come back to the earth, will I find what? You said it right. Will I find what? Faith. Faith. When I come back to this world, will I find faith? So church, have you found your faith? This is big. Are you living a lifestyle of faith? Because if you find yourself constantly down, constantly beat up, constantly dragging, then what that tells me is that we're trying to use, we're trying to operate in a supernatural and spiritual life of righteousness, peace, and joy, still using some of our old faculties, still using that some old mindsets, and still using our emotions, and we're using everything but faith. Let me tell you something. This morning, your life is exactly where it is, either because of faith or a lack of faith. Let that sink in. Your life, whatever condition it is in right now, you are where you are now in life, either because faith got you there or unbelief is keeping you from there. You need to hear this. So you need to say, Lord, may the gift of faith, may the measure of faith be stirred up inside of me. So I had that aha moment in the restroom today as I was brushing my teeth or shaving or doing something in front of the mirror. And the question I asked myself is, man, like, So if Jesus wants me to basically die to myself, right? So my feelings don't matter. My emotions don't matter. He is Lord of my life. I'm not in charge anymore. So if I'm supposed to be dead in Christ and the old Damon is gone, then how do I even live anymore? How do I live? And this word that I'm telling you now is the word that he gave me. We live by faith. When everything is going wrong in your life, you need to look around and say, am I living by faith? Come on. Because the reason that we can be so despondent and so discouraged sometimes is because we're trying to achieve some things under our own power, under our own resources, and under our own thoughts. And the Bible tells us, lean not to your own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge God and he will do what? Direct your path. But he only directs your path in ways of faith. The only way we're going to get from here to glory is by faith. By faith are we saved. By faith are we justified. By faith do the blessings come in our life. It's all by faith. The world doesn't believe in faith. They believe in elbow grease. They believe in roll up your sleeves and just keep fighting and do your best and do this and do that. No, that sounds very tiring to me. Very tiring. The Lord says that you can enter into my rest, and we enter into his rest by faith. Church, can you say faith? Do me a favor. Put your hand on your stomach. Pray this prayer with me now. Say, Lord, I come to you now thanking you for the measure of faith and the gift of faith that you've put inside of me. I decree 
in the name of Jesus Christ that I am justified by faith and I am determined to live by faith in Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church. It's all about faith when it comes to God. We've got to have faith, and we've got to walk by faith. We've got to move by faith. Our trouble nowadays is that we've got so many images coming at us in our phone, on the news, and there's just so many images that require our attention. But the Word of God says that we do not walk by sight. We walk by what? Faith. So if you are down and if you are discouraged, my question for you today is, what have you been looking at? Because what you look at ministers to you. We need faith, and not faith in and of ourselves, faith in our God. Amen? So listen to this. So I'm like, okay, my life is over. I'm not in control anymore. Then how am I supposed to live? Like, you, you want nothing to do with this old me. Then where does that leave me? Let's go to Galatians, or yes, Galatians chapter 2, beginning in verse 20. This is for every born-again believer. This is how you live your life from now on, and I thank God for it. I thank God that we don't have to earn the goodness of God. I thank God that he's going to care for us, and he's going to supply our needs. He's going to bless us if we live this lifestyle of faith that he requires from us. Galatians 2.20 says this, and this is the testimony of all of us. And I said this last week, this is what our tombstones would say if people would come to our spiritual life and say, well, here's what the tombstone says. You're looking for Damien, but Damien's dead. You're looking for Pat, but Pat's dead. You're looking for Byron, but Byron's dead. All right, here's what it says. I have been crucified with Christ. That is, in him, I have shared his crucifixion. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Church, say this with me. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ lives in me. All right, you got to hear that. Come on, you got to have, you got to, man, when you read the Bible and when truth comes in front of your face, you've got to, it has to be met with faith. Otherwise, it's just words and nothing happens, right? Other words, this is just a gospel presentation, but there's no demonstration in your life. You should want to, at some time in your life, see the glory of God manifesting. If, the, if Jesus said he heals, then I want to be healed. If Jesus said he provides, I want to be provided for. If that's what the Bible says, I want to see it. And I'm trying to tell you the way that you manifest the goodness of God in your life is you have to live by faith. Because I'm here as a living testimony to tell you that when you live by emotion and sight, it wears you out. That's why we're so weary. That's why we're so tired. Because we've been living by sight. And sight speaks to our physical capacities, right? Our, 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 the way that we perceive things, our emotions and all that stuff. And I'm tired of it. I'm preaching to me more than I'm preaching to some of you. I am tired of it. We've got to be determined to live by faith from now on. If God says it can be good, then I want to see it good, right? And the only way that's going to happen is, you see, that God doesn't come to bless pity parties. 
God doesn't show up to your pity party and say, oh, you poor thing. No, God shows up to praise parties. So when you begin to praise and magnify the Lord, even in the midst of your circumstances, say, Lord, I don't feel very good, but even in this moment, God, I'm going to glorify you. The things I see, God, they're not what I want to see, but even in the midst of this, I'm going to stand in faith. Church, can you say in faith? You've got to stand in faith regardless of what you're going through so that you can see the goodness of God. Why? Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. And when you please God, he will not withhold any good thing from you. So you've got to live a lifestyle that pleases God. And the only lifestyle that pleases God is faith. Church, can you say faith? We've got to be found in faith. When Jesus comes back, he's looking for people who, to be, who are going to be found in faith. So listen to what this says. You've got to have faith in this. This is not just words that Paul wrote. He was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write these words for our hearing and our understanding. If you are a Christian, your life is over. Your old life is over. And thank God, because we weren't doing very good at life. Before Christ, we were not doing very good at life. We were living sinful lifestyles. We were far away from God, and we were headed for destruction and for hell and we gave our life to God and here's what he said that we can do we can say this I have been crucified with Christ that is in him I have shared his crucifixion it is no longer I who live but Christ lives in me now listen up here's the new part the life I now live in the body I live by what Faith. Come on, church. This is where we got to come to as the body of Christ, as the church. Some of you, some of you, man, I'll get to that part later. All right. This life I now live in the body, I live by faith, by adhering to, relying on, and completely trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. So all of us that have problems and issues, please listen. All of you that have problems and issues, you're currently going through some battles, you're currently going through some storms, I want you to hear this. This life that we now live in the body, we live by faith. And what does that mean? By adhering to, relying on, and completely trusting in the Son of God. Do you hear what that says? So if you're struggling with some things in life, you've got to ask yourself, where is my faith? And to ask yourself where your faith is, you've got to be determined to say, in this moment, with this thing that is bothering me, am I adhering to, relying on, and completely trusting in the Son of God who, gave, who loved me and gave himself up for me? So think about your problems, every single one of you. Think about your problems for a moment and think to yourself, in this situation in my life, am I completely adhering to, relying on, and trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me? And if we can say no to that, it means that we're not in faith. And when we're not in faith, we're not pleasing God. And when, when we're not pleasing God, we cannot expect God's best. Come on, do you not understand how important faith is? Faith will get you to it or keep you from it, right? 
And Jesus grew very frustrated with his disciples sometimes, right? There was the little boy who was throwing himself into the fire, and, and they, the, the, the disciples tried to cast the demon out of him, and Jesus said, bring the boy to me. And he rebuked the demon, and it had to go. Why did it have to go? Because Jesus is Lord. Do you ever see anywhere in the Bible where a demon did not obey Jesus? No, not one time. Why? Because Jesus is Lord. Why, church? Because Jesus is who? Lord. Jesus is who? Lord, right? Jesus is Lord. So he grew frustrated with the disciples and he said, oh my goodness, how long do I have to be with you? Oh, ye of little what? Faith. Now, faith is not about size because he says you can have the faith the size of a grain of mustard seed and speak to the mountain and the mountain be plucked up and cast into the sea. So it's not about the size of your faith. It's about the movement of your faith. Are you operating faith? Right? So it's not to say, God, I need more faith. God is saying, no, no, no. You don't need more faith. You need to learn how to operate the faith that I've given you. And when you're operating the faith that God has given you, this is what it sounds like. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith, by adhering to, relying on, and completely trusting. Adhering to, relying on, completely trusting the Son of God. Okay, so why should I believe in the Son of God? Why should I think that he's going to help me? Who loved me and gave himself up for me. So that's, that's who you're trusting in is the one who loved you. So if we don't have faith, we won't have anything God desires for us. If we have been crucified, our pre-Christ lives are dead and buried. And how are we supposed to live? We're supposed to live by faith. Romans 1.17 tells us this, for it is in the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. So what does it mean to be just or justified? It means that your sins have been paid for and that you're a child of God and you stand before God in, the pre in his presence as justified, right? You have met the requirement that God has set upon reaching into heaven and that is to believe on his son, Jesus Christ. So if you've been justified, then you have to know that the life you now live is the life of faith. All right. Now, I said all that to say this. There's work to do. How many were here last week and were touched by that video, that testimony of that guy that I showed, right? He had that near-death experience, and the Lord allowed him to um, uh, have an encounter with him. And something that really stuck out to me was just the very low percentage of people in this world that are really going to be saved. How many of that, that, that bothered you, that part? Like, wow, when, when, the, when the Lord said only a few find life, I guess he tell, he's telling the truth. Only a few find life. Okay, but see, we have work to do because there are some people out there that don't yet know Jesus and we are the body of Christ and he's depending on us to also be his mouthpiece. We've got to tell people about Jesus. So there's work to do. In Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38, we see Jesus having compassion on the multitudes. And in verse 37, he said this, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his fields. So listen, church, 
Jesus is depending upon and requiring our service to him as Lord. Do you hear what I'm saying? Last week, we determined that Jesus Christ is Lord. So if he is Lord, then that means that he is, that we are his servants, and there's a work that is to be done. And second current, and so many people talk about, you know, well, what's my purpose? Like, I can't, I don't know, my, what is my purpose? Like, why did God make me? What is my, it's not about, man, that's good, Holy Spirit. It's not about why God made you. It's about why he remade you. Do you hear me? It's not why, it's not, it's not about, you don't ask God, why were you born? You ask God, why was I born again? Do you hear what I'm saying? It's not about your earthly purpose. It's about your eternal purpose. And your eternal purpose is found in Christ, just like we have on the sign back here. Love, we walk in love, identity, faith, and the eternal purpose. So if any of you are wondering what your purpose is, well, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verses 17 through 21. So we all want to stand before God and hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant, right? So if we're going to hear that, then we need to be serving now, right? He doesn't announce you to be a, a, a servant that has done well unless that you are that you had already spent your time serving. So the question we must ask ourselves, church, is... Lord, how am I serving you? If you, want to be, if you want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, you've got to look at your service right now and say, is my service to the Lord good? And is my service to the Lord faithful? Come on, that's the question we've got to ask ourselves. Is my service to the Lord good? And is my service to the Lord faithful? Because we want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. So 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21 tells us this. This is what we're supposed to be doing. This means, remember, the question you ask God about your purpose is not why you were born, but why were you born again? Because he has called you into his service. He has set you apart. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Hmm. New person, new purpose. Okay. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ, okay? And God has given us this task, say this with me, God has given me a task of reconciling people to him. So listen, I love that you're here today, right? But this is not the task, right? This is not the work. Coming to church is not the work. Then going home and then waiting a whole week to do this again. No, this is not the work. Here's what the work sounds like. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So church, you have a message. Verse 20. So we are Christ's ambassadors. There we go. Anytime you hear a Christian say, I don't know my purpose, you take them to 2 Corinthians 5 and 20. Here's what it says. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be an offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. So when God says, when the Bible says the workers, uh, the harvest is plenty, but the workers are few, we are the workers, right? 
We are the workers. And if only a few are finding life, it means that only a few are being told. So God knows the number of people that are going to be saved and sealed for redemption, but we've got work to do in spreading this gospel message. We are God's ministers of reconciliation. We are the family of God, the sons of God, the kings, and the priests. All right, so now let's get into this. Father, I thank you for uh, what I just shared with them, what you just gave them. We just learned that we have to live a life of faith. We just learned, God, that we have a purpose after being born again, which is to be Christ's ambassadors, also known as ministers of reconciliation. We have a responsibility to tell people in this world, come back to God. Give us a boldness, God. Replace this spirit of fear because you have not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of self-discipline and control. So we declare in Jesus' name that as we go out into the fields, God, your word says the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. We are the workers. And what we say to the harvest field is come back to God. May this word be found in us, your good and faithful servants. In Jesus' name, church, can you say amen? Do you know your purpose or do I need to preach that all over again? We good? Okay. That's your purpose when you come to Christ. You're an ambassador for him and you have a boldness within him just like he did. Christ was bold, man. Woo! Christ was bold, right? He said, he, he told people, you are, you are full of dead men's bones. Right? He would just tell it like it was, right? He was bold, okay? You be bold. But don't be so bold that you're not loving and kind. Be bold to the glory of God to where you are telling people to come back to God. I pray that during Thanksgiving that you were able to uh, mention that. That's, that was your homework. During Thanksgiving, tell people that you're thankful that God saved you and thankful for God's goodness. All right, let's continue. So I said all that to get us into what it means to be a son. I don't know, I, I, I don't know if I'll get through all of this. That's okay if I don't. But we've got to talk about being the sons of God. And when I say sons, I'm talking about a spiritual nature. So that means men and women, okay? I'm talking about the spiritual nature of being born again into God. He calls us his sons, and it's spiritual, not physical, okay? Although we have, uh, we have that sonship in our physical bodies as male and females. But when you hear me say sons, I'm referring to our spiritual uh, identity in Christ as a, as a co-heir with him. All right, so to become a son you must be born again. So Charles and Belinda have a son named Charles. That's not my son, right? That's my nephew. It's their son because he was born to them, right? So you must be born to the parent in order to become the son. Although me and little Charles look alike when we were kids, I have to show you a picture, right? Me and little, uh, their son looked alike uh, when we were small, but he's not my son. That's Charles' son. He's Charles the fourth, right? That's Charles the third, and there's two Charleses above him. My name is not Charles the fifth or Charles the third because I wasn't born to a Charles, right? I was born to an Edward, and I'm glad I'm not Edward the second. <laughs> Let's keep it moving. In order to be a son or a daughter, right? But remember, son means male or female. We're talking spiritual. You must be born again. Do you hear what I'm saying? You must be born again. Let's go to John chapter 1, verses 10 through 13, and listen to what the Bible says. He, Christ, was in the world, and through the world was, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. 
He came to that which was his own, which belonged to him, his world, his creation, his possession. And those who were made, and those were, who were his own people, the Jewish nation, did not receive him and welcome him. But to as many as did receive and welcome him, he gave the right, the authority, the privilege to become children of God. Can we praise God for that? Praise God for that. I'll explain what you're praising God for. You're, you're praising God because Gentiles were welcomed into the family of God by faith. Not through the law, but by faith. So we praise God that he opened the door to a people who had no God. He opened the door to a people who were strangers. And by faith now, we can become the sons of God by his power. That is to those who believe in, oh my goodness, here it is again, adhere to, trust in, and rely on his name, who were born not of blood or natural conception, nor of the will of the flesh, physical impulse, nor of the will of man, that of a natural father, but of God. Come on. That is a divine and supernatural birth. They are born of God, spiritually transformed, renewed, and sanctified. Let me get a little country in here for a moment. How many of you know that you show enough been born again? Come on, this isn't the version of yourself that used to be. This is not who you used to be. Come on, this is not who you used to be. Something supernatural has occurred. Something happened, like you didn't mature out of craziness. You didn't stop cussing on your own. You didn't stop sinning on your own. Something supernatural happened to you, and that supernatural thing that happened to you is called being born again, born of the Spirit. Like the things that I would have inherited from my natural parents, because I had some tendencies on both sides. Every single one of you come from a mother or father that has some sinful tendencies on both sides. And if you are not careful, those sinful tendencies can come into you and dominate your being. But we praise God that we have a father now that is not of this earth. We have a supernatural father who is God, and he, by his power, has called us to be born again. Now listen to what Romans 8, 10 through 14 says uh, to, about the children of God. Come on, this is something special. Because my father used to tell me when I, was at, when I got my license, when I was ripping and running through the city, my, sat, my dad would say, boy, that means listen. Don't you get out there and mess up my name. Don't you get out there and mess up my name. What, is that, what did that mean? People knew who he was. They knew he was standing in the community. And the last thing he would want them to say, wait a minute, isn't that Damien? Isn't that Pastor Tibbs' son getting arrested for a DUI right there? Isn't that him doing this and doing that? Right? So if a natural father desires that their children doesn't bring any shame to their name, how much more the heavenly father, church? So listen to this. Romans 8, 10 through 14. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. 
The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. Listen to these instructions. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation. Church, can you say no obligation? obligation. This is so good. You have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. Why? Because you've been born again. That sinful nature has lost its power. It has lost its dominion in your life. So that lets me know that every time we sin, man, this is going to tell on us. Every time we sin, after you've been born again, it was never because you had to, only because you wanted to. Man, because the Bible says, man, that's so good. You have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit, here's how we avoid sin, but if through the power of the Spirit you put death to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So what does this tell us? The children of God are led by the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is a gift from God to lead his children in the right way. And we need to know this about the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit does not only bring conviction to our lives, but righteousness. So many times when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we say, oh man, I was about to do this or that, but the Holy Spirit convicted me and I didn't do that thing. You need to know this. The Holy Spirit is not just for conviction, but for righteousness. The Holy Spirit will help you to do the righteous thing. The Holy Spirit will tell you the truth. It will remind you. He will remind you of all truth. So church, the children of God are led by the Spirit of God. So if you're a child of God, are you expecting to be led by God? And then again, do we know how to be led? To be led by God, you must be willing to humble yourself. We have to stop being prideful. We have to stop being know-it-alls. And we gotta, we gotta stop being simple sometimes, right? Sometimes we can be so simple, right? Meaning that we try our way over and over and over again, knowing it doesn't work. It's bringing us pain. It's tearing apart things. But yet we still hold on to that pride. But we must be willing to drop to our knee and say, Holy Spirit, lead me. Spirit of God, I am a son of God. Lead me. I let go of my life so that you can lead me for the glory of God. Church, let's stand to our feet this morning. We must know that if we're going to share within the glory of God, that there's also a a shared suffering as well. So I asked you all a little bit ago, how many of you have been going through some things? We came to this altar, we filled this altar, and we were saying, God, I'm going through some things in my life. And the question that we can ask God is this, God, if you love me, why are you breaking me down so much? Why does it seem like things are always happening to break me down? Church, you need to know that it is not punishment. He's trying to get us to a position that Job was in. Job in Job chapter 13, verse 15 says this, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. That's why some of us are going through some hard times in life right now, because God's trying to break us down. He's trying to break away everything that we're trusting in, 
right? Especially ourselves. This is the main idol that stands in our way, the idol of self. That's why Jesus said, if you want to follow me, we got to deal with a God. We got to deal with one of the gods in your life. And what's that God's name? Self. You got to deny yourself so that you can follow me. When you think about the story of the prodigal son, the Bible says that he asked for his portion of the wealth. His father gave it to him. He went away and lived a crazy lifestyle, found himself in a pig pen, desiring to eat what the pigs ate. And the Bible says this phrase, he came to himself, meaning he realized that even the servants at his father's house had it better than he was living in his present condition. And he said, you know what? I'm going to go back to my father and I'm going to say, father, I'm not worthy of being a son. Just make me a servant. But during that time in the pig pen, and I want you to hear this because I'm going to let you go. During that time when the prodigal son was living with pigs, he began to think about his father. Say this with me. Father, may my hard times bring you to mind. Come on. He was in that pig pen. He didn't think about, well, I should go work it. I should go work somewhere else or I should go do this, or I should go do that. He said, nope, I'm going back to my father. He began to think about his father. Listen to this, this is good. When he came to himself, he began to think about his father. Come on, church, we need to come to ourselves again and begin to think about the father. Not about the problem, not about the trouble, not about the world, not about what someone else is doing to you, but about the father. And we know that when he came back to his father, his father ran towards him and there was a celebration because once the one who was dead, he thought was dead is now alive. The very first thing I began to talk to you all about was your faith. And when you run back to God, he will run towards you and he will say, the one in whom I thought had faith that was dead, I see their faith is alive again. I'm going to be the father to you that I desire to be because you have believed on me. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time with your children. We have been called the sons of God if we have been born again by your spirit and if we are led by your spirit. I pray, Father, that just as Jesus was about his father's business, Jesus spoke so highly of you, God. He said, I do nothing unless I see my father doing it. I do nothing unless I see my father doing it. Jesus, you talked about the father so much. So would you help the body of Christ come to themselves and be more father-focused than fear-focused, more faith-focused than world-focused? God, we need your help. We need your help, but you need our help as well. We've got people in our family that don't know you as Lord. That's a problem. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. But here we are. We are the workers. So as we dismiss today, and as we go to restaurants, and back to work, and back to our neighborhoods, and back to our family, we are living in the harvest field. But yet there are people who don't know you. So Father, may our faith be stirred up as sons to live a life that pleases you. May we all determine within ourselves, as we come to ourselves, may we say, I must be about my father's business. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
If I could have some of the prayer team come down, any elders.